Well, we're back with our 10 minutes of truth and I'm super excited today to uh, continue looking at this study that we did on the three imperatives. And um, so if you haven't listened to the message or the first uh, little teaching, 10 minute teaching, you really need to go back and look at that. Don't have time to uh, <clears throat> go back over those, but I'm, I'm really, this is such an important section. Again, just a limited context. Paul is writing to this uh, group of believers who are living in the province of Asia in this town called Ephesus. It was a you know pretty significant town. And in Acts chapter 19, um, we have a record of you know what happens when Paul comes to town. Uh, just, I mean, it was a divine orchestrated moment. Um, and you know God moved in the city and and you know literally, uh, hundreds of people were saved. I mean, it was just ridiculous the amount of of uh, idolatry that was confessed and um, you know ungodly lifestyles that were repented of. It's just you can read all about it. It's 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 incredible. Fifty thousand drachma was tallied from some scrolls that were burnt, and a drachma was a day's wage. So fifty thousand days wages. I mean, it was just remarkable. It took two years. That passage tells us it took two years for them to kind of work out all that had happened in that in that uh, revival that struck Ephesus and it you know uh, just it grew and <clears throat> it was just a tremendous time now so Paul's writing this letter so everything we're reading in this letter uh, to this community is what they've been experiencing he's just explaining it he's giving them encouragement so you come to the end of it here in chapter 6 verses 10 um, you know specifically this little section down through verse 20 he's talking about you know wearing this armor it's this you know they're in a war and there's a there's a military a kingdom military strategy that they are you know, have to kind of adopt. He tells them that specifically in verse 12, that their adversary, uh, the, you know, the, uh, their actual enemy <clears throat> is not flesh and blood, but it's spiritual. In fact, it says in verse 12, they are spiritual forces. So these are actually beings. So their enemy is not the town uh, magistrates, you know, the rulers of the city. It's not Rome, you know, it's not individuals, but it's a spiritual uh, activity that is, uh, operating in this town uh, in which they are battling. And so they're really fighting over territory, which is, which is powerful. Now we looked at verse 10, <clears throat> just really quickly, you know, that they were to strengthen themselves in the Lord. You can go back and look at that. What we want to look at today, and then uh, in a couple days, we're going to look at this, the, the other one. There are three imperatives. The first one was in verse 10. We're looking at the second one today in verse 11, and then there'll be a third one we'll look at in verse 13. In verses 11 and 13, these, these imperatives are really the breaking down of the first imperative. In other words, what it means to be you know, strong in the Lord, in verse 11, there's an aspect of putting on, which is the second imperative. And then in verse 13, there's an aspect of being strong in that they put on, which is the imperative in verse 13. So they are there's three imperatives, be strong, put on, and put on, which are in verse 10, 11, and 13. What it means to be strong is to put on in verse 11 and to put on in verse 13. Now, in verse 11, the putting on the full armor of God, that phrase, 
that that grammar there it's actually put on as one greek word in the original language that is a different greek word than the one that's going to be used in verse 13 okay in verse 11 the phrase that we have put on which is a command okay to put on the full armor of god that term is a defensive term so to be strong in the Lord, there's both a defensive aspect, and then in verse 13, that term put on is an, is an offensive uh, aspect. So to be strong in the Lord, there's both offense and defense. We're looking at the defense first because that's the one that Paul gives us in verse 11. He says, put on the full armor of God. And that, again, word uh, is, is has more of a defensive aspect to it. In fact, if you were to, uh, let me give you a definition, that is a compound Greek word of in, and this is so neat. The, this word in verse 11, to put on, is made up of two Greek words, in and to sink, or to go under. So to put on, an example of this, how it's used in the New Testament, is to put on a garment. So it's protective kind of stuff. So part of the armor of being strong in the Lord, part of the armor that we wear is defensive. We sink into it. It's we clothe ourselves. Now you would say, wow, what, what does that mean to be strong in the Lord in a defensive manner? Well, you know, he is our defense. And, and of course, when I say that, I know what that, that entails, but I meet people that don't. Well, what is it? How is being strong in the Lord, how is sinking into the Lord my defense? Well, when the enemy comes to you, okay, he's going to try to convince you um, of an identity outside of the Lord. People believe what other people say about them and how they feel about themselves over against how the Father sees them. Listen, your real identity, he, God himself knows who you are. He does. He knows you who you are. And if the enemy can come and convince you of who you're not, you're going to live like who you're not instead of like who you are. Man, I hope that makes sense. Let me, let me say it, maybe say it a little bit of a different way. The enemy wants to come and wants you to act in a way that you're not. I mean, you're, you're royalty. You're a child of the Most High God. You are, you are in Christ. You are seated above every power, every authority. I mean, everything. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. You, you should go read that. That's, that's who Jesus is. And then in verse tick, uh, 2, verse 6, that's who you're seated in. The enemy has no power and authority of you. But if he can come and lie to you and daunt you and you believe him, then you believe about yourself something that's not true. So, what Paul is saying is, listen, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Listen to him. Immerse yourself in the word. My wife came to me. Yes, last night we were sitting on my couch in my office watching TV. Actually, we we're playing on our phones and she's, we got the game on in the background. <clears throat> and um, she's reading this, um, she's reading this quote to me from, I forget who it was. I think it was Charles Spurgeon. I think it was Charles Spurgeon. It was hysterical. He's like, most people can, uh, how did he say it? It was something like, most people can write from the dust on their Bibles the word damnation. <laughs> it was like this super aggressive, I don't know if you've ever heard of Charles Spurgeon, but dude, the guy's a savage. And he was talking about, most people don't read the Bible. I mean, they just don't. They hear it when they go to church. 
But literally, the truth of God's word speaks volumes to you about how God sees you. Let me say that again. The truth of God's word speaks volumes to you of how God sees you. That's why you read it. You're literally just putting into your mind, you're drinking in, you're believing everything that God says to you. See, the enemy is going to come to you and he's going to try to curb your whole understanding of yourself. He's going to come and remind you of your past. Let me give you this example. So um, I was teaching in class uh, at our training center a couple weeks ago, and I asked the students, one in particular named Lucas, I said, do you think God is delusional? Of course, he looks at me and was kind of startled and kind of like shook his head back. I was like, what? I said, do you think God is delusional? He goes, of course not. God's not delusional. I said, really? I said, you realize the justification that took place in Christ. When you stand before God as a child of God, justified because of the work of Christ, he looks at you as if you have never sinned. And I asked him, I said, you ever sinned? And he's like, well, yeah. I said, God doesn't think so. And so you have this dilemma. Do you believe you know, what God says about you, or do you believe your past? And it's a difference, the point that I was making, it's a difference between God is truth over against true and facts, truth and facts, true things and facts. That God, his redemption is so strong that he sees through a lens that he himself establishes. And so I believe about myself what he says about me, about myself. I, I, I believe what he says about me. I believe his perspective of me. Now the enemy is going to come and he's going to remind me of my past, but what I do, I don't believe the enemy. Hey, Jesus took on my past and crucified it. And so my past no longer belongs to me. Je it belongs to Jesus and was nailed to the cross. In fact, the past that I now have is the past that Jesus gave me, which is his own. And that's what I stand in when I stand before God. So literally, this idea that Paul is giving is, is, is you've got to get your, you've got to get your mind. Uh, I mean, and he says this in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You transform by the way you, you think. You have to get your mind in line with how God sees you, and which means, folks, you, you got to be in the Word. So this first aspect against the attack of the enemy in our world is defensive. Okay? So the enemy is going to come at you and he's going to hurl at you insults. He's a liar and the father of lies. He's going to say all these things against you. But you are going to throw yourself into the arms of Jesus. And his voice is going to be greater than any other voice in your life. It's going to be greater than the enemy's voice. It's going to be greater than your neighbor's voice, your best friend's voice. It's going to be greater than your, you know, your own voice sometimes when you're led by your emotions. You're going to be strong in him by sinking into. You're going to sink into the garment of his voice in your life. Dude, that's so good. That's so good. Well, I appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, I hope you enjoy these and I hope they're really helpful. And I uh, want to encourage you, man. Uh, get in the word and, and listen for his voice. Um, you know, it just doesn't, uh, doesn't compare to any other voice. God bless. For more information, visit www.jeremiahbullock.com. That's www.jeremiahbullock.com.